Christmas is coming to a close, and we are moving on to the new year. So in a sense, we're kind of bridging this gap between the Christ child being born and the new year coming and these resolutions that we all put into place. Um, So with every holiday coming, we have traditions and rituals, and we all tend to make resolutions, whether we write them down and we put them on our mirror and say, yes, this is the year that I'm going to follow through with this past March. Or we just tell them to our friends and family, but we all have something that we kind of think that we want to change. And um, so whether you've thought about it yet or you're getting ready to, you know, the excitement of Christmas is wearing off and we're kind of like, I hate to use this term, but I'm a leader of teenagers. It's a new year and it's a new me, right? So um, the resolution bridge, one side is evaluation. So we look at the year that we had, whether it was great, you know, we bought a house, we got married, we're starting this new life, or I had my first grandchild, you know, everything is great. Or it was a rough year, you know, um, I lost my job, or my kids got sick, or I got sick and had to take work off. Whatever it is, we evaluate our year ahead or behind, and we have hope for the new year. You know, if we had a great year, then we hope that the next year is better. If we had a bad year, then we still hope the next year is better. So um, it's funny because when I became an adult and I moved out of my parents' house, I remember my mom texted me and she said, Happy New Year, this is going to be a great year for you. And I was like, yeah. So the year came and went. It was not a great year. And she texts me again the next year and she said, well, that was kind of rough, but this year it's really your year. So I was like, yes, I got this. The next year came and went, and it was probably worse. (laughs) And my mom was like, you know what? It's been kind of rough, but I really think this is your year. Happy New Year. It's going to be great. That was probably the worst year of my adult life. And I remember laughing because my mom had texted me. I had just met Cliff at the end of the year, going into the new year. And she said, you've had a really rough adult life. This is going to be the turning point. And I'm like, thanks. So it was kind of funny because she just kind of gave up. And so, but it has, because that year was the year that I found my hope. I found Christ and I was able to turn everything around and that hope was found. And that was, it was, it was the turning point. And after that, she didn't have to text me and tell me, that was a crummy year. It's going to be better, you know? So it was like, wow, you had a great year. Let's see what you can do next year. So Isaiah, we're going to open up our Bibles. So if you guys don't have one, you can op- grab the ones in front of you. We're going to open to Isaiah 43. I apologize. I don't have the number of the page like Brian normally does. So you will have to search. Isaiah 43, verses 13 through 19. So they say, From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One. 
Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you see it? Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So God is telling us that this bridge from evaluation to hope is supported by him. In 43.13, he says, From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch that out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. So our perspective is the biggest factor in a successful crossing. So when we have a bad year, we're not throwing in the towel and saying, you know what, I give up. God wasn't there for me this year. I'm just no longer going to trust in him. We keep pursuing and we keep pushing forward and we keep praying and we keep reading our Bible because God never tells us that we're not going to have trials and God never tells us that what we do in our life is going to be easy. But he tells us that he is unchanging and he will always be there. So resolutions themselves aren't bad, right? They've gained a bad rap because we all have the plan to eat better and work out more and the gyms are stocked until like February and then they slowly, right? Or all these restaurants sell a lot of salads the first few months and then they slowly, right? So the problem is, is these resolutions, it's not bad, but we just tend to not follow through whether life gets crazy or we go to somebody's birthday party and they have a lot of really good treats, whatever it is, um, it just kind of ends up, we don't live up to them, right? So Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 continues to say, forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? So God is continually working in our lives and these things that we feel like are dead ends we have no idea what God has planned for us and so as the year comes to a close and we feel like wow this year was great it can't get any better God has only begun or that was really rough I don't even want to know what next year is going to happen God has only begun so perspective can sometimes dictate our actions. If we have a bad attitude, we're probably going to go into it as well with a bad attitude, right? So how do we gain the right perspective? 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 is the next passage we're going to dive into. So 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all of the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. 
If someone claims, I know God, but does not obey his commandments, that person is a liar and is not living the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show him completely, they truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one that you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. So these passages are really interesting because if you think of darkness, so Jesus Christ being the light of the world, we sometimes tend to, as humans, because we're humans, stand in front of that light. And if you have ever stood in front of a light and tried to look at something that was in the dark, your eyes don't adjust. So you see it halfway. So if you were to just move and let Jesus' light shine, things would be seen a lot clearer, right? So he tells us, Advent is focused on Jesus being the light of the world, and here in these verses, John tells us how to use this light. He tells us to step away and let Jesus shine his light so that we are no longer in darkness. Verses 1 through 6 give us the foundation that we need for something better. So as we evaluate our life and we see that we are sinners and that we need Jesus, that we need to be forgiven through Christ. And we do that by accepting Jesus' light. So the something better, though, that we need is to live like Jesus. So once we have accepted that light, we can't just say, okay, I have it, Jesus, come in and transform me, and we're just going to go out, and we're not going to want to honk at the person who cut us off or um, say bad words under our breath when somebody pushes you in the store and doesn't say, excuse me, right? Jesus tells us that we've accepted that and now we he's lived up to his part and now we need to live up to ours by being that person of integrity and um, reading the word and following what it says and what he tells us to do verses 7 through 11 give us the keys to crossing the bridge so we've evaluated our life and we have evaluated what we did when Jesus wasn't looking or what we did that year that maybe we could do better and we're getting ready to go into the new year and we have this hope that great things are going to happen but when we think of this hope are we thinking Jesus is going to be right there with me everything that I do this house that I want to buy or um, this new job that I'm looking to take on you know sometimes we have this hope and we do it without consulting God and um, so he's telling us that he is the bridge to this hope, and we need to stand firm on him. And we need to make sure that everything that we do is with him. So 
We have the same God because he tells us in Isaiah that he is never changing, but we have a new lifestyle. He wants us to now live this out. So the darkness is disappearing, and our perspective is changing as new things are brought into light. So like I said before, is the darkness is disappearing because we as believers, as we walk in our journey every single day towards Christ, we are slowly inching away from that light, and we're letting Jesus shine in. And so that partial darkness that we dealt with for so long is slowly diminishing, and the light is coming because we are getting stronger in Christ. And so as I was going through this message and um, talking with my husband, Cliff, I was like, I don't really understand this. And he brought this perspective, which I thought was really interesting, is um, when we, not we, when somebody is going blind, they are so focused on going blind that all of their other senses seem to struggle. So they can't see anything because they're so focused on going blind. But somebody who is fully blind, their other senses are highly heightened because they can't see anything. So everything else is heightened. And so the problem here is that when we are fully blind, we focus on everything else to survive but the light of Christ. And so when you don't have the light of Christ, and like Jordan had said, he was fully relying on himself, which got him to a not very good place. And so when we let God fully shine his light, we are able to let him work in our lives and take these things over. And we can see clearly with all of our senses. And we're able to just let God do what he needs to do. So key number two is to now live in this light. We have moved away we have let God take light in our life. He has shown us what we need to do. Now we need to live in it. So it's not just reading the Bible and saying, my New Year's resolution is to be closer to God. So God, can you do that for me, please? You know, we have to do that. He has given everything to us. He has given us all of the tools that we need. You know, we have this church that we get to come to every Sunday and worship, and he gives us that. So we have to get up in the morning and get dressed and come here. And he's given us the Bible. We have to take it off of our bookshelf, and we have to open it, and we have to read it. So verses 9 and 11 tell us that with the darkness comes blindness. And are you blind to what is causing the most, most turmoil in your life? So we go back to we're so focused on all of these other things with this partial blindness that we have. We're partially in with God. You know, his light is here. It's shining. But we're kind of standing in the way. So we can't really see. And we're like, God, fix this, please. But we're not willing to fix the problem ourselves. And so he says, I'm here for you. And I want to help you. But you need to let me. So... The things that cause the most turmoil in our life, we're focused on fixing these small problems. And, you know, I'm reading the Bible and I'm going to church and I just don't understand what's happening. But we still go home and we do these same things that we are doing over and over. And God's like, well, you got to fix the bigger problem. And then all of the other things will kind of just fall into place. <laughs> so the third key that he has for us is that relationships matter. And Brian has talked about this multiple times, and I love this because I think it is so important. Because 
without the relationships that I have with other fellow believers, I know that I would not be up here speaking today because they motivate you. And, you know, I had a message from Brian this morning. He said, I'm praying for you. You're going to do great. And when I got here, I had um, a few other people pray for me. And the nerves that I have... um, not justified, but it makes me feel a little bit better that I know that there are people that are confident in me that I get to spend my time with. And so verses 10 through 11 tell us that relationships, unity, and forgiveness, the context of this passage is two believers. So he's addressing us. He's addressing the church. And he tells us that we need to be unified as believers and we need to build each other up We need to have these relationships because everybody knows that disunity can be a cancer to the church. And if we have these cliques and these people want to do this and these people want to do this and nobody is really seeing that the church is God's church. This is God's bride. And when we miss that point, we are disunified and churches end and people leave churches because what is the point of a church? To bring people to Christ. That is our job. And if we're not doing that, then are we disunified? So the resolutions for 2020 may be, I want to lose a little weight, or I want to spend time with my grandchildren, or I want to travel more, whatever those may be. But I think that we need to take time and also make a resolution of, what does Christ want for me in 2020? What do I need to do? What has been holding me back? What obstacles have I avoided that God has told me that I need to pursue? Because oftentimes we have these worldly resolutions, but we don't look to God and see, what do you want for me for the next year? So I urge you to just take a minute and see, you know, do I need to dive into the Bible? Do I need to go to that shelter that I've been thinking about going to for the last three months and see if I can help there? Or do I need to talk to my neighbors who have really been in turmoil and I just really think that they need a helping hand? Even though it makes you uncomfortable, God wants us to be uncomfortable because he wants us to grow. So Hebrews 11, 1 through 2 tells us, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. So faith in the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. I believe that everyone here has faith. That's why they're here. You guys believe that Jesus Christ, we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose. Jesus was born on Christmas. We celebrate him. We come here and we preach him every week. And so we have faith in something that we cannot see, right? So he wants us to have the confidence and the hope that what we pray for and what we have these resolutions for, they will happen because we will put them into action. So For 2020, we need to look forward and say, God, what do you need from me? We really need to reflect and think that um, we all have something. God has a plan for every one of us. He had a plan since we were born. 
And so um, sometimes when we get nervous and think that, oh, I'll do it tomorrow or I'll put it off, you know, this is the perfect time. We all are pumped up and we're ready to start something new, you know, it's a chance almost to have a clean slate. So I urge you guys to think of something that you can do, whether God has put it on your heart or it's something that maybe you did earlier in life and you want to pick it back up, whatever it is, to just please make sure that God is a part of your plans. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be a part of every decision that you make. Even if it is whether or not you should go to the gym next year, you know? He wants to be a part of it all. So I just urge you guys to pray and thank him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, this opportunity that I had this morning to share the word with everyone. And I pray that um, they just have something that they can take away from this. And with this new year coming, they need to just really focus on you and the unchanging love that you have for us. And no matter what last year brought and what this new year brings, that you love us unconditionally and you will not leave us. No matter how bad or how great our life gets, we always need you. And I just pray that you um, be with each individual person as they go today and that they can go into the new year with fresh eyes and that they can just pursue you with their entire heart. In Jesus' name, amen.